for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome. Good morning. On the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome to you. Uh, thank you, Tom. Paul. And last but not morning, least, Henry. political operative and elector. Bobby Clayton Walton oh. joins us at the uh, round table this week. Good morning. I've already oh, attracted con- attention with that. Morning, Bobby. Congratulations. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, well, we'll get into all of that ahead on uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics, but uh, just briefly... Um, Bobby, uh, you were selected as an elector for the fifth congressional district in Michigan. Um, how does that how does that work exactly? Well, um, first of all, I had to agree with the uh, the Democratic Party because I was elected as an elector for Joe Biden's campaign, his candidacy, and um, in the event he won, that I would be casting the one electoral vote for District Five, which I am now going to be doing. I received a uh, communication from the party requiring me to pledge that I would follow um, the results of the election in casting my vote. 
and just recently I received communication that I'm to go to Lansing on the 14th of December for the purpose of all of the electors getting together and voting. Now, Henry, you've done that before. Um, you've been through this process. Um, what is... Uh, I, I understand that things might be a little different this year than they've been in the past. But they're not. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the protocol. It, it's the same thing you did. You went you you yes. went to Lansing to cast your vote for the electoral college. Yes, and you're always going to get people who want to <clears throat> pressure you in doing something different. That's the job, <laughs> and I, I'm sure Miss Walton has has also. Did you, Henry, did you get pressure. did you get did you get pressure to do something different besides when you when you were an elector? Yes. Particularly yeah, when I got what? What the did they want you to do? Well, just change my vote for someone else. Oh, oh. Well, I, I. It's funny because I received, um, I received something from a an author who has written about the faceless electors and wanted to talk to me about that. I haven't received anything from anybody. I figure they know I'm pretty hard nosed. I don't know. <laughs> Now, yeah, you're uh, probably uh, having uh, Henry's just too nice a guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it, Everybody it, thinks he's it, a pushover. Well, Bobby, I was going well, to ask Bobby, is this going to be a virtual meeting or an, uh, an in-person meeting on the 14th? No, my understanding is in-person. I was given oh, okay. Yeah, then I had, I was asked, as a matter of fact, whether this week, whether I was actually planning on attending, and I said yes, so I will wow. be there. With masks. Yeah, right, right. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, but it's basically, it's the same routine. Yeah. It <clears> may <throat> be that the law requires in-person. You know, in order to do anything to virtual, we almost have to get a legal waiver. Uh, I guess that's true these days, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the electors have to be protected because we had escorts. Really? Yes. Really? Huh. They were, when you when you came to the, the Capitol building, and that's where you'll meet. You'll, you'll meet in the Capitol building in the Senate chambers right. of the House of Representatives on the floor, yep. and they made sure that you had, uh, that you felt secure and unpressured and uh, having the ability to uh, cast a vote with good common sense and good judgment. It's amazing to me that that's necessary, but I guess it's understandable. Maybe these these days, especially, yeah, maybe. Some well, yeah, there could I, be somebody yeah, plotting to uh, kidnap electors. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> my years are still time. Probably, probably some malicious <clears throat> out there thinking of that stuff right now. You never know. <laughs> that's true. And, and Bobby, there's still time. There's still time. I will take a lot of reading <laughs> material in case I get kidnapped. I don't want to be bored. <laughs> well, we usually uh, usually start to show off with a series of quotes, and the first one is always the uh, finish the quote. This is where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? The soldier above all others prays for peace, for it is the soldier who must what? Defend it. They are going to say guarantee peace or defend peace, yeah. Yeah, or die. Well, in, in honor of uh, Veterans Day, 
The uh, actual quote is, The soldier above all others prays for peace, for it is the soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of war. Yes. Mm. Who? Douglas MacArthur. I think I read that. Who? MacArthur, did you say? Yep, Douglas MacArthur. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Okay. I shall return. <laughs> right. And uh, and so he has, at least this morning on uh, Armchair Politics, <laughs> through that quote. Um, the uh, There were so many quotes this week, but here's, here's one that I had picked out, I think, over the weekend. I think my husband would be very pleased. We were good friends with the Bidens, and I just know he is looking down and going, you did the right thing. Um, Cindy McCain. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. that was Cindy McCain who yeah, endorsed the yeah. former vice president, yeah. and as part of his transition team, told CNN's Anderson Cooper on Monday that the late Arizona Republican Senator John McCain would be happy that Joe Biden has won the presidency. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Did President Trump's disparaging comments about the late John McCain cost him Arizona? I that you know, may I just speak? I think the president, now that things are closer to uh, being, coming to its ultimate decision, I think the president made several really bad mistakes. First of all, he condemned all Democrats. <clears throat> and everybody who know, understands the political process, there are three elements in the electorate that you must have. You must have your base, you must have a portion of the independents, and you must have the dissident Democrats. And he condemned all the Democrats. And I thought that that was... And in my community, this is a Democrat area, but there's nothing around me but just Trump signs. Everywhere. I know this area. I know the demography. And, uh, but yet I, I thought he lost out on some of the Democrats. He didn't appeal to them. And that was bad. Well, you're, I don't you're right, think, Henry. Northern, I don't Gen- think... Northern Genesee County has gone more Republican in recent years. You saw that with the the Cheryl Kennedy election this past, uh, yes. past week. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Actually, I was surprised by that. But I think the original question about Arizona, I think it really did cause a great deal of uh, pulling away from perhaps Republicans who were very faithful to the McCains. And, of course, the yeah. McCain. Yeah. Sure. Uh, for I think the other thing in Arizona, I mean, that could be a factor, but the other thing is you, you're see, seeing changing demographics. I mean, people from California are moving out to Arizona, yeah. becoming a bit more Hispanic as time goes by, and younger as, as time goes by. So, I mean, I think the McCain comments didn't help uh, Trump in any way, but I think the uh, the changing demographics of Arizona make it potentially more of a purple state as we, as we go on. And maybe we're seeing the same thing in Georgia. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, Bobby. Yeah. Well, let's 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 move on to another uh, quote from the week, if we can squeeze it in before the break. It needs to be pursued, not just by Republicans, but also by Democrats. Because if we are going to come out of this and say this was a fair and free election, what we are hearing from the city of Detroit is deeply troubling. Mm. Who do you think said that? Hmm. And I read that. 
Well, I won't. Yeah. I won't leave you hanging. That was Republican yeah. National Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. Oh, she said yeah. in a speech yeah. from her home state of Michigan Friday that alleged irregularities and purported problems with vote counting in Detroit and elsewhere warrant investigating before anyone can declare President Donald Trump lost the election. Are Republicans inflating a few errors to postpone the inevitable? Well, I think that's obvious. That yes. appears to be the case, yes. I mean, the, the slightest little misstep becomes a giant error in, 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 in their view. I, I think that's the case. And, and, and again, from an objective point of view, most the, almost every, everybody who's taken an objective looks at, yeah, in a nation of 300 million people, people make occasional mistakes, but the idea that there's some systematic vote-stealing going on, no serious evidence of that kind of thing. But but I do think that there were irregular, uh, I think that there was some vote-stealing and stuff like that. Well, but I don't think that that's good. I don't think that's good. I want to know how you steal a vote, Henry. Tell me. Um, I don't think that that's good for the country. But I, no, I think how even, do you steal a vote? How do you steal a vote? Well, yeah. just like they were pointing out, irregular. Maybe this is the word is not stealing, but irregularities, uh, where votes were not turned in on time, where uh, people were asked to change. But, uh, data but Hen- on Henry, you like you followed elections. Uh, for for years yeah. and and you've been through a lot of campaigns um do you think the process was uh fairly transparent well i i think uh i think over by and large it was but there were some things and remember we talked about the value of one vote uh people have been known to win elections by one or two votes so it's very very important but when you get these irregularities, and this may not be in the system itself, it may be in people who were uh, just energetic and want to do something on I, their own. Isolated incidents. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think you can have those isolated incidents. You can have those where Republicans can do the same thing. So yeah. to protect that process is, is not a good thing. What we need to do is to find out... <clears throat> And admit, if we had some wrongdoing, we need to correct it. Because people do put their hopes and dreams and aspirations in a clear, uh, non-illegal election system. I want to know where there's evidence of all of this so-called irregularities or tampering. I haven't seen any. Well, I see. I, But I believe that, that they're there. I believe that they're there. After what I've read, I yeah, like I said, before this year, for all I would, the charges, there's I, no evidence yet. Yeah, yeah, but but and, and I've always said I support no matter how we uh, vote, whether it's electronically or we vote in person. I believe in the American political system, but <clears throat> I do believe that there are people who are egregious enough to do wrong things in the system. Um, either on their own or driven by uh, Henry, a plot. We have to take a break here, but we'll uh, let's pick it up there because I'm, I'm curious to see how you feel 
about the way Republicans are reacting to this. We'll be back with more right Everybody's after this. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. Sixties, the marches, the pins, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jefferson Airplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. 
Well, it's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70K. Tom Sumner, Program.com. The Tom Sumner, Program.com. This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Armchair Politics continues now with our uh, weekly roundtable discussion featuring our uh, roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, on the left and right, respectively, joined by political operative and elector, Bobby Clayton Walton. Um just before we went to break, Henry, you were talking a little bit. We were we were talking about uh, um, the outcome or the ongoing outcome of uh, this month's uh, presidential election, and I wanted to ask you before you finish your uh, your remarks, um, how you think the president is is handling um, the aftermath of uh, the election, and what you think about the divide in the Republican Party with some high-ranking people refusing to accept or concede the election and others calling to congratulate Joe Biden? Well, um, I think some Americans are doing it in a classic way. Uh, they see the numbers both on the popular vote and the electoral side that Joe Biden is about $5 million votes ahead, and it's difficult to overcome that as a popular vote. And he's got 272 or 292, I think. Well, actually, these votes, you can't use those yet because we don't have a certified uh, vote release message from the states yet. So, <clears throat> but I, I, I think like some have done, they've called uh, Joe Biden and wished him uh, congratulations prematurely, and that's how we've always handled it. I understand it. And it's not a bad way to handle it. We have the peaceful transfer of powers, and we should continue to try to have that in that way. But we have moved so far, Democrats and Republicans, they need to clean up this mess, uh, how they've trampled on the Constitution to gain power, influence in any way possible, no matter who would no matter who it hurts, that's bad. And we may not even have a democracy anymore. Think about that, guys. Think about it. We don't. Well, that, we sit in fear and uncertainty, really uncertainty about how this is all going to play out. And I'd like to just congratulate Joe Biden and Ms. Harris, myself. Although I fought for uh, President Trump to be returned in any way that I could, but not illegally. I gave contributions after probably at least $100 a week sometimes, uh, you, you know, just to, to carry them over the top. But I did everything I was supposed to. I was loyal, and I followed it in the most uh, uh, respectable way to get President Trump returned to Holy House because he's done so much things for the country and so many things for people of color. And uh, they, they, the people of color, as I've said for, since I've been on the show, 
now look like they run the country. But when you go in the classroom today, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot of gap between what we see on TV and in the classroom, which will transition to be leaders tomorrow. So I, I do, but I want to say I thank the president for keeping our economy strong and we're keeping our borders safe and our military strong. And we're always putting America first. I think uh, he did the best he could. But I think what really made him mad was being accused of being un-American to the country. He loved the country. But when he was accused of being um, a confidant of Russia, that was the last straw. I don't think anybody should ever be accused of being unfaithful to their country land. It's hard to do. Even for Democrats, it's hard to do. Even for those who don't like it, and like those who criticize us all the time as Americans. But that's the worst thing that you can do, and there was no way he could overcome that. So I think he's acting, um, he needs to think through his actions now. Uh, well, uh, uh, on, on kind of a related note, I don't know if you saw this, but a video purportedly showing election officials stuffing ballots in Flint, Michigan, a Democratic-leaning yeah. city, of course, of uh, 95,000 people, turns out wasn't taken at a Flint polling site at all. It appears to show an election in Russia. The video posted on Facebook shows election workers depositing ballots into a collection box. It uses shading to spotlight the box, suggesting that the entry of those ballots was improper. The caption reads, here we have staffers stuffing ballots in Flint, Michigan. Um, Maybe we'll get uh, you know, to the city council before we know it. <laughs> the, the notion it's amazing. There's a message there. The Russians tend to divide us. The Republicans, Democrats, they just push stuff in. If you're black or white, they tend to work on that fabric until it's loosened and now chewable. And we, we buy into it. God. Well, I've been wondering who posted that photograph. You think it might have been the Russians? Well, that was that. You're getting ahead of me. That was actually my question. Yeah. Um, I, just quickly, a quote from uh, Brian Larkin, chief of staff for the city of Flint, told Politifact, "This is absolutely not a Flint polling site. The setup does not meet state of Michigan requirements that must be adhered to." But my question was: Is this the work of Russians or Trumpers? <laughs> Did you read about the, um, the, the ballot counter that was accused of throwing away a ballot or ballots? I think it was in Georgia. And actually right. what he had thrown away was a piece of paper. Yeah, and that's and why I say Democrats and Republicans have trampled on the Constitution. If it's internal then we have to eat all of this 
garbage. And, and one of those individuals at the post office who was supposed to have been doing, you know, you know po stating bills. Yeah, he he he. That that too was for sale. Yeah, basically, what that, that turned here, out to be was a a postal worker had posted a video in which he claimed he overheard right. a supervisor instructing uh, postal workers to backdate ballots they had received. Yeah, I heard that. And then, yeah, and he's recanted, and he's recanted the recanting, and (laughs) you know who knows where this is going. But according to the American people, are so gullible. According to the uh, the Inspector General for the uh, U.S. Postal Service, um, this this has turned out to be a completely bogus charge. Yeah. You know, what, what's going on uh, with, with all of this so far is, is how many people Trump is taking down with him. I mean, I'm thinking of, yeah, at one, at one time, Rudy Giuliani was looked upon as an honorable mayor or America's mayor after 9-11 and all that. And now with his role here, he's coming off almost like a clown. And somewhat the same for Barr, who I assume is a respectable attorney, and he too was looking kind of silly in this process. Well, and Pompeo's comments yesterday. Pompeo as well, yeah. Yeah. That's that's that one that of the worst. Really John terrible. Bolton, in fact, said uh, I think late last night or early this morning to uh, some news outlet that, in his opinion, Pompeo has completely destroyed his own credibility. Oh, yeah. I think he's yeah. destroyed his career. He's not going to run for anything. But um, I think that it's interesting that yesterday um, our president-elect spoke, along with our vice president-elect, and I was delighted that he is not engaging in the mudslinging, fist-fighting, arm-wrestling, whatever you want to call it, and is just charging forward and, you know, chopping wood and carrying water. I think that's very wise. Now, now you see how you guys can single out the Republicans that do all of this ugly stuff. Do I I believe it? Yeah, there's an element of truth in it, but you don't see where it's coming from the other side either. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, please don't get that impression. It, um, it is uh, one of my favorite campaign uh, I, I'm not talking about you. Stunts of I'm all time. Um, Henry, one of my favorite stunts of all time was done by uh, a, a uh, favorite local politician of mine from years gone by who uh, had come up with uh, a way of going to the campaign headquarters of an opponent on election morning in the wee hours of the morning and breaking a key off in the lock. <laughs> and I thought it was, I thought it was, and he was a Democrat, and I thought it was one of the great political stunts of all time <laughs> because it delayed his opponent from getting into their campaign headquarters to get their materials and their signs and banners and get their people oh, out grief. to the polls. And it was such a simple thing, you know, a 99 cent key. <laughs> Well, you know, um, dirty politics is dirty politics, and it doesn't matter which side of the line it's on. That's true. But one of the things things that's very concerning is the damage to the credibility of the voting process. And I think uh, most of the polling places were very transparent. A lot of them were were filmed, you you know, were were actually being viewed uh, by network 
television news crews and and in some cases internal security video um, and and they they tried to have a Republican and a Democrat and an independent at each counting station and and uh, tried to be very transparent now that doesn't mean that there aren't some things and some procedural things like I, I, I think Pennsylvania is going to have a problem with the vote to um, extend the receipt of ballots beyond election day. Yeah, um, they're probably going. That's why they isolated the ones that have come in. Right, uh, past and, day. and it's, it's, it's not enough to turn the election. But but no. procedurally, you know, that's that's a thing that's that's fairly controversial. But I think but California I, 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 does the same thing. Yeah, I, I make the argument that when all is said and done, this may be the most honest election we've ever had because there's more <laughs> folks watching it, more people. Yeah. We, we're paying more attention to this stuff than we ever had in the past. So yeah, with, for all the claims and counterclaims, this may be our, our most straightforward and honest election in, in American history. Yeah, well, you know, the one thing I was thinking the other day, and uh, and and Paul, you probably might uh, join me in this is. Looking at the impact that all of this has had on stimulating people to actually be active and actually participate. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. And the fact that we have 50 separate electoral systems makes it harder, actually harder, and an electoral college actually makes it harder to steal an election, harder to, uh, to corrupt the process because you've got 50 different, different things. So... I don't know that there's anything unconstitutional about a state saying if you submitted your ballot to the Postal Service by Election Day, it is receivable, because how would you explain the ones that you receive from the military and from people overseas? True. And this is where we need a uniform process. I think you're right, Henry. I just told you why it's better. You haven't heard me. You haven't heard me. You haven't heard my point yet. All right. Every state has to do it. Some things exactly the same way. To protect the integrity of the process so that people can believe in the system. You know, if it's just to have your vote and by the postmark date of 12 midnight on the third, then that's it. You know, you until you change the law. And most of the processes and procedures have to be some based somewhere in law. That means that Congress had to make them the law. No, I, I agree with uh, you, Henry. Or, I think uh or the state legislature. You know, we, we need to pick something that we agree to. If it's accepting uh ballots that are postmarked by November 3rd um, or November 2nd at midnight. Um, it, it's, it's, it's that. If it's all ballots must be in the clerk's hands by 8 p.m. on election day, it's that. But there should be some, some uniform... You know, I don't, I don't want to see uh, American elections become too federalized and too centralized, but there should be some uh, national standards and guidelines that, that the states follow so that we don't have um, situations like, you know, in Pennsylvania, a case could be made that deciding to accept those votes 
after Election Day because they were mail-in votes were going to be beneficial to Joe Biden. I think you know, that we should have the IRS run our election system. If, oh, if yeah. You, uh, we already you defunded your, the IRS. If you have your... If, if, you know, part, part of the problem this year was the fact I, I would that like so to make a point. rules at the last minute. I mean, at the last I, minute, with the pandemic, we were the rules were up, up until a week or two before the election. We were changing the dates. And um, rules. I mean, if it was clear ahead of time, whatever the rules were, it would be a lot, a lot simpler in many ways. But because of the pandemic point, and then the court challenges, there were all kind of last-minute shifts in one way or the other. Yeah, go ahead, Henry. My point, my point here is IRS forever has said you must have your election return in by no later than 12 midnight, April 15th. The tax Unless return. you are not there. They will trample on you. And it must be postmarked that That's right, it's a postmark. I, can I, I'm going to wait until you finish. No, go ahead, Henry. But, but our election system, the way we're doing it now, everybody makes the rules. Everybody's talking. Nobody's listening. So all kind of irregularities can happen. We need to have some uniformity. Or else we are we will lose our democracy. And the first thing that replaces democracy is fascism. Go and Paul, you were you were making a point about uh, the conditions of the pandemic and and last minute changes in accommodations. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there were all these kind of final court challenges, and we changed the rules. And if you're, a, I can see if you're a county clerk or a city clerk trying to follow this stuff, you know, shuffling this around at the last minute can be very tough. What strikes me as impressive is that even with all the pandemic confusion, the elections ran pretty smoothly. There weren't all that many big glitches around here and there. And uh, all in all, it, it was a pretty successful election, considering how it could have been far more followed up when we had this dramatic increase in voters and the change in the mail-in voting and absentee voting compared to the way it had been done before. So I think all in all, the county clerks, city clerks, did adjust reasonably well. If they had had any more lead time, it might have even been smoother. And I think maybe in the future that will be the case, I suspect. Uh, actually, I had another thought, too, in terms of the whole mail-in voting issue. I, I gave some thought to that. It seems to me more and more, the more I look at that, the more I think it's a good idea. Not only does it increase turnout and give voters a chance to... Uh, to study the ballot in a way they really can't do in the, in the, in the voting booth when they just walk in cold turkey. But it's, it occurs to me that if we were to go to a, a universal mail-in system, you would eliminate some of the main problems you have with the current system. Where I, I just thought about the fact that all these county clerks and city clerks have got to drag out all, these, all this, these voting booths and the equipment to various schools and, uh, and churches and assembly halls every couple of months or every couple of years, and they hope it all works, and then they got to drag it all back. If we had a pure mail-in system, they could have a single, a single centralized place where these things would come in. They'd be fairly quickly tabulated and efficiently tabulated with uh, machines that would work dependably. So uh, more and more, I, I, I'm uh, becoming more of a fan of this. Uh, this is the first time I've voted absentee this year myself, but more and more I think it's a, it's a wise idea. We're only a decade or two from the young people who will do nothing without their computers. 
Yeah, and that's, you can see that's going to be something. Yeah, that, 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 that's going to yeah, be something it, it, to watch. Yeah, yeah, that may be the way yeah. of the future as well. That's true. Bobby, you started to say something. Yeah, my my thing about computers is it's too. Because I used to be in computer security. That was one of the things I specialized in years ago. Um, the problem with voting by computer is it's so easy to corrupt computers. It's so easy to hack them. It's so easy to break in. I mean, how many times have you had your screen screen frozen by some malware saying that you've got to pay money to get your computer unfrozen? Um, I used to say the only secure computer is one that's unplugged in a lead-shielded room. With no <laughs> but, banks, but banks transfer billions and billions of dollars a day through the process. Of course they do, but and they don't. The, the FBI don't traces people down through the process. It's but, a they good don't do it, but they don't do it without being hacked, and they don't do it without people coming in, and they don't do it without, um, without having extreme security, and cybersecurity is one of the growing things right now. I think computers are not the way... I, I agree with Paul on the mail-in ballots because, number one, they're a piece of paper that you can recount. You can't recount a computer vote. They're, they're something that a human being has to scan and look at. They can put it in a machine. A yeah, computer crashes and, and you lose everything. And I would yeah, venture to say different I would venture to say that those banks do not select their CEOs by computer. <laughs> I <was sure. laughs> no, you can't you, you can't you can't uh, buy honesty. <laughs> no. But 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 yeah, you uh, if you go into any classroom and try to sell the kids something other than a computer process, they're not buying it. Well, the young people and came out in droves and voted on this election. They sure did. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. And that's good. Well, officials have moved all Genesee County 67th District Court hearings to Zoom as cases of COVID-19 have surged upward. A district court statement notes the case increase in Genesee County and throughout uh, uh, the state led to the move beginning uh, yesterday. The move will remain in place until at least Monday, November 30th, although I've seen an update to that that says probably through the end of the year. Two 67th District Court buildings in Davison and Grand Blanc closed November 5th after one employee from each facility tested positive for the disease. Is the recent surge a new wave of COVID, or did we start opening too soon? Oh, we started opening too soon. I think we, yeah, we, re we relaxed too soon. It was working for a while, but then we got too, too, too uh, overconfident. Yeah, if you look at the map of all the COVID cases, Michigan's turning red again. Well, and that's true in about 45 states. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be it's going to be a very tough winter the way it looks right now. I mean, unless something turns around dramatically, the numbers are just sp spiking all over the place. Uh, well, one of Biden's uh, appointees uh, said. And he's appointed to the, the COVID team, the doctor. Right. And he says he shouldn't live longer than 75 anyway. I, <laughs> I saw that. That was an odd he comment. Did. What was the question? He, he, he shouldn't live any longer than 75 is a curse 
a biblical. He, he said he's <laughs> actually what he said was that life after seventy five that that there was no quality of life after seventy five. Something yeah, to that effect. You're a young guy. Yeah, well, no, he's sixty three, <laughs> and, and probably oh, not feeling very well. Um, right, <laughs> but uh, we he's, need. He's not, and and they're making a, a, just a really uh, a circus out of those statements. Well, he's we, on the COVID team. we need to, to take a short break here, but we'll continue with more. <sighs> armchair politics after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do do when we go to break if you're streaming us we have some messages as well then we'll be right back hello there citizens darkwing duck here and every time i'm in flint fighting crime i always stop by the tom sumner program don't forget stay dangerous darkwing duck out The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. 
Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bat. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange, it's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman steady sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name this were This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner program with uh, our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by political operative and elector Bobby Clayton Walton. Um, <clears throat> moving on, Kate Fields is the new president of the city council, and one of her first orders of business could be an attempt to revise council rules in an effort to shorten meetings that typically last at least five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Fields received overnight. Yeah, Fields overnight is the proper Fields received five votes uh, on Monday to lead the council for the next twelve months, taking over for Councilwoman Monica Galloway, who received three votes to continue, and Eric Mays, who received one vote for the job. Council members have often struggled to handle the city's routine business, devoting hours to sorting out procedural challenges and objections. And that continued to be the case Monday when the meeting was recessed after about five hours until Thursday, November 12th, um, before dealing with the majority of the business on the agenda. Fields continued to clash with Mays at Monday's meeting, suggesting he and others are abusing the council rules for the purpose of obstruction. Um, Mays, who routinely raises formal objections to how meetings are being presided over, continued to do so Monday after Fields' appointment as president. Uh, Don't tell me I'm out of order, Mays uh, Mays told Fields at one point Monday. I'm being polite. After the meeting uh, Monday, Fields said changing the council rules may be necessary to be specific about what you can and cannot do. Um, What rule changes do you think would be effective? I, well, let the, let the presiding officer. Go ahead, Henry. No, I'll I'll follow you. Uh, I gotta say, having watched those meetings, I, I I know they've tried to bring in parliamentarians periodically over the years, but it seems like nobody follows the rules that are there anyhow, and the endless objections go on forever. As I say, I see it's exhausting to watch those things, much less to be there. I have a, almost have sympathy for some of the council members who have to sit through those things. Um, yeah. I wonder if you could move it. 
Go ahead. Could you limit your faith? Well, I think they've tried that. Yeah. They they gave, I think, five minutes, but somehow, Um, when you can object endlessly, it goes on forever. I mean, the five-hour meeting they had on Monday was a short meeting. They've had, what, eight- or ten-hour meetings occasionally in recent recent months. That was going on for, and accomplished very little. But I can tell you that we had control over our meetings at the Board of Education. You only were allowed three to five minutes to speak, and you can only speak once, and sometimes two, maybe. And that's it. You get shut down. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but but these people, when you got when you got all of these other uh, constitutional protected rights and stuff like that in a public meeting, you can do whatever you want to do and claim that it's protocol, but not in the school district because it's a one that meets in the public for the public. And yeah, so, but for- what they what they need to do, I believe, what they need to do is to uh, have a consultant come in and develop this process, uh, attorneys or whatever. But don't try to do it themselves. The politics will run, will kill the process. There's too many strong well, I personalities. It, yeah, I think it's become more of a public show as opposed to yeah. Um, yeah. an organization that's trying to accomplish something. It's that's true. Um, it's a yeah. It's a posturing and a, and a just a series of bombast. And quite frankly, Eric Mays runs it. Yes, and many of the issues there ought to be settled in committee rather than in front of the whole. Even when they try, right? Well, and that's them. typically the way things. That's yeah, typically that's the way it. things are done. Is the work yeah. gets done by the committees, and then the agenda is simply to vote up or down the recommendations from the various committees. However, with a city council, there is an element that that makes it a little bit more difficult, and that's the uh, participation by the public. Yeah, but even that could be limited. And and is. Yes. Yeah, they only have a couple of minutes to speak if you're a public speaker there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the public is the problem. No, I, I think it's just the council members themselves who, who endlessly bicker over, frankly, personalities and just the attention they want to get. Yeah. Yeah, I recall when we had a very controversial thing at the school district, <clears throat> what we did, and I, it was nice that we go out and hire a um, consultant to develop all of the protocols, the language, and we as board members didn't fight with each other, or we didn't... Um, nor the staff. It came from a reliable process. Don't you think, Henry, though, in order for that to work, everybody has to want it to work. (laughs) And sometimes you have to force it. You have to force feed some of this stuff because some some people are not accustomed to working in in a uh, political process or you know, in a group process. Some people don't work in group processes. Well, but there, but yet there's a difference between somebody not wanting to do something and someone who won't do something. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, you, and know, you don't have any rights to change that because they're constitutional law. 
I've often wondered how much the, the chaos on the city council has cost the city of Flint. I've, I've made the point before, and I, I really don't know the facts here, but I really wonder whether or not when they placed that GM plant in Burton at, at Genesee and Davison yeah. Road, whether or not they took a look at the chaos in the city of Flint and said, no, never mind. Because, <laughs> I mean, there was the AC, the, the AC property was there, the old AC property, but clearly wasn't used for for whatever reason. Again, I don't know whether there was more to it or not, but I really wonder whether or not the the chaotic attitude in the city in the city hall turned off potential investors or businesses who might have otherwise taken a look at Flint. Yeah, and you know that was a surprise to me too because uh, New Industries was supposed to build on brownfields, and they went out and found out the most pristine. You could drink the water that flowed over the ground. Yeah, yeah, there, there were there were wild animals, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they just there before yeah. they put the plant Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they one of the things that one of the things about Flint that came true to me when I tried to uh, work with some of the people in Flint after the the water crisis was Flint is almost a um, a tribal community. You've got so many different interest groups and so many different yeah. um, groups of people, and they don't work well in collaboration or in in cooperation and I think the city council is almost a representation of that thinking or that yeah. that culture. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Um, uh, that's and that's too bad. <clears throat> because look, we've lost General Motors as a result of that those kind of attitudes. We lost we lost a lot here in Flint. Jobs that should have been here for our kids. And they were just general Motors that had enough. Well, I think, didn't we talk about this before? I mean, months and months and months ago, about the challenge in Flint of, of good governing, that they haven't really had a good grasp on good governing in a long time. Well, you know, my argument, my argument used to be that Flint was really run by, by three groups, historic in the past. Uh, yeah. GM, the Moth Foundation, UAW. And, and at least two out of three of those are dramatically weakened. Mott Foundation is still there somewhat. But it's really that, that, that those three groups that used to really be the mainstay of Flint, for the most part, are, lo- are long gone or heavily weakened. Yeah. And they represented every single interest. You had uh, public and you had um, nonprofit and you mm-hmm. had your um, your unions. And so there was sort of a representation for everybody somewhere in that mix. And got, and you got to remember that we became <clears throat> the largest that we had one time. Uh, this was a very attractive place. We had all kind of po- possibilities to do things far beyond our imagination. And we still we have resources that a town this size does not have. Yeah. Right, yeah. we still do. Yeah, but you got to have good leadership to use those resources. You, well, you can't government. do it. You got a good government. Government has to be friendly in it, uh, to its population. It's got to be uh, protect their interest, and it's got to be attractive to people who want to settle here. Well, you know that makes me think, Henry. Uh, when you talk about leadership, we hear about leadership a lot, but we really don't see it very much. No, not here. We, uh, Grand Rapids and uh, um, University of Michigan uh, home. home Ann, Arbor. Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. 
Now, they have, those were the only two uh, communities that did not lose population in 2000. And uh, everybody else lost population. That's a good point, Henry. Good point, Henry. Yeah. 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 Something they did right. They grew. And people migrated in, but they left all of the other places, big cities. Well, that leads me to a question. Um, In Ann Arbor, you've got University of Michigan as a big presence, and they probably are a leader, the leader, in the thinking and the development of the community. And in Grand Rapids, who do you have? Well, you've got... You got DeVos. Amway and DeVos, particularly. Amway. But they've also got a lot. Van Andel. Like you got the Myers. You got the Myers. You yeah. got really tremendous people there. You have but a that, They don't necessarily. But, but there's something else that goes beyond that. It's what the people want. And can the people be influenced? But if you got people, everybody talking, they want to go 10 different ways. You hey. can't pull them together. And on that note, we have to take a short break for Top of the Hour ID, but we'll be back with the second half of Armchair Politics in uh, just a moment. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 